This is The Playbook. Welcome to Office Hours. I'm David Meltzer. I can tell you, I may have an all-star cast to host, but we're bringing the all-stars onto the show. This guest, he won my heart the first time that I was introduced to him. And, you know, although I've had very low expectations of meeting Patrick McEnroe, uh, he exceeded even my expectations by a mile. This guy has everything. It's not just that he's a, pro- a professional athlete himself, you know, living at the highest standard, world-class athlete, but he's a world-class person. And uh, if you've heard his podcast, Holding Court, he really brings out the essence of how content should be distributed today. And what I mean by that, Patrick, welcome to Office Hours, is that you're one of the most authentic people I've met. Uh, you are okay with people hating you for who you are or loving you for who you're not is not in your vocabulary. Um, your family sort of has a tradition of being themselves and loving themselves to that measure. And I think it's more important today to have that as a characteristic. And you really exemplify that, but also bring it out in others. What was it growing up that gave you the confidence, you know, not to play the middle of the road, not to be average, but to be extraordinary and let people know your opinion? Well, first of all, David, it's great to be back with you. Uh, just keep it coming, baby. I love those intros. Uh, you're the best. Uh, and, you know, you make me feel good. That's that's what it's all about uh, in this world. And, you know, I just was very lucky, very lucky to grow up with uh, parents that pushed us, you know, me and my brothers. I have another brother, Mark, who's very, uh, very successful that's like attorney. Co- that's like Cooper, right? Mark is like you, you, Cooper uh, well, Manning, right? Cooper Manning and Mark McEnroe. Didn't, didn't he play football, though, Cooper Manning? Yeah, played, yeah, yeah. He played college ball. So yeah. my our brother, Mark, um, actually, we, we all were together last night, the three of us brothers, because we had a, our board meeting for our charity that's part of our tennis academy where we raised uh, money and funds so that we can – sponsor kids that normally wouldn't be able to afford it our scholarship program so our brother mark is heavily involved with that he's got the brains you know the law the law degree that my dad had so when my dad became to get to your question when my dad you know became a partner at his law firm you know that gave them and gave us then the opportunity to move to a nicer part of town um to go to a good school you know it was always education in our family david was extremely important. It just so happened that we happened to be pretty good in tennis, you know, growing up, because when my dad moved to the nicer part of town in Queens, where they were living, they had a nice tennis club, a small tennis club, but a nice tennis club. And that club um, is where we got started, just on a fluke. You know, my dad played in the streets of Manhattan. He was a poor kid. his, His parents had come to the U.S. from Ireland when they were quite young. He was an only child. Um, and he sort of grew up with nothing and, and made his way into becoming a successful attorney at one of the biggest law firms in New York City. So he wanted to give his kids, as did my mom, who was a nurse. She was an emergency room nurse, David. You will, you'll appreciate this because you sort of come, you're a little bit older than me, not much more. <laughs> um, but when my mom grew up, uh, times were a little bit different, right? She grew up on the, on the edge of Long Island in a place called Greenport. Uh, more the working class part of um, this, the, the fork of Long Island. And her parents, when my mom finished number one in her class, she wanted to go to college, uh, the number one in her high school. And they said, her parents said, you're, you're a woman, you're going to nursing school. 
So she then went to nursing school, didn't go to college. They didn't have the money. And she met my dad at a bar. My dad was in law school. Uh, he, went to, he went to school at Catholic University in, in D.C. And he went to college when he was so young at 16 that by the time he was 19, I think just about 20, he was already in, in, had a job in New York City. Um, and he was going to law school at nights um, at Fordham. So that's where my parents met. And um, so they gave us the opportunity to go to great schools, private schools. They didn't even have the money initially when we first went to school, pay for it. But because my dad had just become a partner in the law firm, the school said, you know, you can pay us when you can pay us. Times have changed. That doesn't really happen too much <laughs> these days. So it, it, it gave us a lot of opportunities, David. But I guess to my my to try to answer the question is our parents drove us, gave us opportunities, but they also were very strong about saying you're on your own, you know, do your own thing, get on this train, get on the subway, go to school, go to tennis practice. When I first got my um, license to drive, my mom said, oh, was so happy because she said, I don't need to drive you to the tennis tournaments anymore. You're on your own. <laughs> so they taught us that independence at a young age. Um, and I think that combination, plus obviously giving us some opportunities to be very well educated um, and to just a chance to play tennis, um, you know, sort of set us up for success. Hey, you brought up your parents, Patrick, and, and I'm, I wasn't going to say this, but, but I think I will. If, if my mom was still here right now, she would love that I am interviewing one of the McEnroe brothers. She used to watch, it, <laughs> she used to watch John on TV in the 80s. I remember it as a kid, her being glued to the TV watching your brother. Um, and my, my first question for you is going to be a little, come off a little bit obscure, but I listened to your podcast. I know you have an opinion on it. Um, I played football at Notre Dame. We only had one game when I played there that wasn't sold out. And that was when I was over, what's that? Right. Yeah. It's amazing. No, I know. Go right. ahead. And, and, the, and the only reason that game wasn't sold out is because it was in Ireland back in 1996. And mm -hmm. I, le I learned quickly, Europeans and just people outside of America don't care much about American football. Um, could you give us uh, some flavor on why you think that is? You know, I've always, um, it's always sort of, uh, been, I don't know if confusing is the right word, but I've always wondered why that is, um, why football, American football, because, you know, the rest of the world, football is soccer, right. right? When Anywhere else in the world you go. And I've been lucky enough as a tennis player, you know, to travel all over the world. So all the guys I play tennis with, whether European or South American, um, they're all huge soccer fans. And in all those countries, and I've been lucky enough to go to some the biggest soccer matches in the world, it's all about soccer. And I've it, it, it's 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 kind of interesting to me. I mean, football, I, look, I, I'm, I'm a huge football fan. And by the way, how about my Jets this year? Not to mention our Giants, too, here in New York. <laughs> so, you know, I, I just, it, to me, it's so interesting what, is it, what it says about maybe our country, um, maybe our history. You know, football is so big now. It's, it's obviously way overtaken baseball as the national pastime. Basketball, which I've always been a big fan of, is it's still quite popular. But you could, I think you can make the argument that the two biggest sports in our country at the moment are NFL. Well, there's no doubt about the first one is NFL football. But college football might be number two. 
Right. You know, it, I think it's sort of neck and neck with the NBA, which has got some of the biggest superstars that we know of. So I don't know if it's an American thing. Do we like the violence of the game? Mm. Is it the connection to your community, whether it's college or the pros? I do think that football is sort of the ultimate team game, um, which is one of the things I love about it. And the reason I think about this so much is because, there's, you know, even recently with the Tua concussion story and, you know, the, the, the injuries that have happened and that whole debate centering around that issue, it's amazing to me, David, how we, like just as fans of football in the world, we, we, it, no matter what happens in football, okay, it's still the biggest thing going. No matter, you know, the, the, all the issues of players getting in trouble um, and, and the violence of the sport where, I, I got to be honest with you, I mean, I worry sometimes that, you know, someone's going to get hit and they're not going to get up. You know, the, and, and the way the game is played is so intensely violent. The athletes just, like in every sport, have gotten bigger, stronger, faster over the years. So I find it, you know, very um, amazing that it's so popular. And where you anywhere else you go, I mean, Australia, they sort of like it. But, you know, they've got Australian rules football. Rugby's very popular in certain countries in Europe, which are similar to football, to American football but there's no pads and no helmets. So therefore, I don't think you see the same types of intense uh, injuries in those sports because, you know, you can't lead with the head right. when you don't have a helmet. Right. So I find it fascinating that football just keeps getting bigger and bigger and more popular in this country. And um, I wish I had the – I mean, it's a great game to watch, don't get me wrong, but I worry about it, you know, when I watch it and when I watch those players and what they put themselves through. Although the country of Ireland is a sponsor of Notre Dame. Isn't They're an right? official sponsor, oh, pay yeah. sponsorship fees. The country itself. Devin, I know you're boating to ask Patrick, Patrick a always, question. Always, always. Um, Patrick, thanks, thanks for being on with us. You said it as you were just talking about how your parents pushed you when you were younger. Um, I, have, I personally have three kids, five and under. And I'm coming into the phase to where my kids are starting to be in sports. I played sports when I was younger, too. If you were giving advice to a parent, because um, I know that you've probably seen a lot of young athletes come through and, and be successful. Um, if you were giving advice to a parent to, to be there and, and want to push their kids, because we know it needs to be done for them to be the best version of themselves in sports, but also not push too much, right? And also potentially identify, hey, like, all right, this is how you identify if they don't even like the sport. Like, what type of advice would you give parents that want their kids to be successful and not be too overbearing? Great, great question. I'm, I'm actually here, believe it or not, at the site of the U.S. Open. That's where I am at the moment at the National Tennis Center because my daughter is playing in her high school tennis match, and they are nice enough here at the National Tennis Center during the, this time of year to let all the high schools from the area go there. So my daughter's a very good junior tennis player, uh, not a professional type level. Um, and so I've been through that experience now as a parent. I also have two other daughters that are into dance and play a little bit of tennis recreationally. Uh, but most importantly, I think running our tennis academy, the John McEnroe Tennis Academy, where I spend most of my time when I'm not doing this or on television for ESPN or CNN or doing my podcast, um, 
that's where I, I see it at every level. You know, parents that are super into it, um, kids that are at a really high level where they're going to play high-level college tennis, uh, kids that just play for fun, you know, once or twice a week. And here's what I would say. As a parent, I believe you have to give your kids the opportunity, expose them to as many things as you can, whether it's sports, whether it's music, whether it's the art, whatever, other things in the arts, whether it's academics, if they love that. Um, and let them tell, you know, children, especially as your kids, as you'll see as they're young, mine are a little older now, they're 16, 13, and 13. So I got the teenage daughters. David knows about that, okay? <laughs> um, but when they're, when they're really young, they will tell you exactly what they think. Exactly Thank what God. they think. <laughs> exactly how they feel. Yeah. And you know what you have to do as a parent? Listen to them. If they say, I hate tennis, or they say, I don't really want to do that. They're telling you, and they say, or oh, if they're crying, you know, I mean, this happens all the time with kids on the tennis court. They're five or six years old. They're crying. And a lot of our young coaches at our academy who don't know any better will say, hey, don't cry. What are you crying for? Everything. You know, no, there's a, you have to say, I see you're upset. You're, you're, you're crying. You must be upset. In other words, you have to listen, number one, to the child, and you have to acknowledge their feelings. And once you do that, then I think you can start to have a, a more of a back and forth conversation, not have it just be about, you know, trying to tell them what to do. Um, and if you can do that, I think the children will respect you a lot more. They'll understand something very important. They'll understand that you hear them. Okay. If you say, you know, if they say to you, like, you know, as a tennis person, they say, my forehand sucks. And a lot, of, a lot of coaches in my academy will say, oh, no, no, your forehand's good. You say, no, that's not what you say. Don't, in other words, if you say right away your forehand doesn't suck, you're not listening to them. So, you, so my reaction, if I don't know what to say, I'll always, I'll always repeat what the child said to me. You think your forehand sucks, huh? And then they, you see the look on their face. They, 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 they see that you heard them. And so from that point on, I think you can start to connect with them uh, on, a, on a level where – they, they respect you, and they're then willing to tell you the truth. If you are negating their feelings and what they're telling you from a young age, you're sending the message to them that you don't hear them. And then guess what's going to happen? They're not going to tell you the truth anymore because they're gonna, they, they know your response. So when it comes to athletics, of course, becoming a big-time athlete in any sport, the number, here's the number one thing it takes, believe it or not genetic ability okay right. that's the number one thing i've learned working in our tennis <laughs> okay now i know why i've been out i'm out i tried my best man you try your best some kids you know could play all day long and they're not going to get that much better okay but you know what if they love to do it and they want to keep doing it they'll tell you in their own way and so if you think you're going to make your child into a professional athlete, you as a parent, I got news for you. It ain't going to happen. Well, unless okay? you're six foot nine and run a four three. Then genetically it may happen. Well, then, <laughs> then, then, if the genetic ability is there and the talent is there, then being the parent that gives them the opportunities and has to lead them down the path and support them and get the right coaching, all those things then tend to matter. My brother said something so funny the other day. We were on the court, 
That's surprising. And the kids were doing it. And these are high-level kids, okay? And, and John said something like, oh, they're worrying about their vision or they're trying to, you know, like Djokovic does these drills with balls, you know, like with lights and stuff. And he's like, they're worried about the 15th or 20th thing when they're not even at number two. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Like, like there's so many steps to take before, you know, you start worrying about things that are you shouldn't even be worrying about. And too many parents nowadays think that, oh, my kid's got some Italian at seven or eight. And therefore, you know, they're going to be a great, you know, nobody knows that. So my advice would be to listen to your kids, see, love to do it. They have a passion to do it, whatever it is. You, if you can give them the opportunity to do it, obviously you'll do it and let them take it where they're going to take it. And then you try to support them any way you can. Yeah, tell them to do their best learned mm -hmm. lessons and have fun and it'll take you where it is. All right, real quick, the Patrick, genius. Patrick, and an honor. Uh, we're out of time. My name's Lani, I'm from Australia, and I'm really sorry. Uh <laughs> Australia, I love it. I had nothing Down to in. do with I all wanna, that. I wanna, just, I wanna tell you something before, Lani, you ask your question. I'm here at the National Tennis Center, as I told you, and I've got parents walking in and out and one gentleman, as I was answering that question, literally sat right in front of me in the couch over there, okay? And he listened very intently. And I have a feeling that his kid's in there taking a tennis lesson. So I'm happy that someone listened, got to hear this, in, a, in addition to the millions of listeners and viewers you <laughs> yes, have. Tune in. I know I don't have time, ahead, Lonnie, you you have time for a question. You have time for a question. I quick. do. Yeah, I have ahead. so many, though. Just ask um, a quick one. It's an absolute honor. Um, I actually just wanted to touch on the rugby thing really quickly. From I grew up playing rugby and soccer in Australia. And from what I can tell, it's a barrier to entry for a team and people backyard playing and money is from what, what I've seen, the, as opposed to NFL and all, everyone sees it as all the gear and everything that you have to do, and because it's just in America. So that would be my little two cents worth. But I want to know if you're a multi-sport talented kid and then chose tennis or just tennis? Well, good question. We played all sports. My brother and I played all sports growing up. In fact, I played in my high school soccer team all the way through high school, even while I was one of the best kids in the country playing tennis. Now, we also played basketball. I loved baseball. Baseball is probably my favorite other sport to play. And I was reasonably good at it because I had good hand-eye coordination. Um, so I could hit the ball. I pitched. I played shortstop. I played a little bit of third base. So that sport is what I wished I'd played more of. But it was always, when I got to high school, it was always the same time as tennis. So I felt I had to play on my high school tennis team. Interesting tidbit, which a lot of people don't know, my brother actually got offered a scholarship to play college soccer. I mean, he because he was way better athlete than me, as is obvious to most people, um, because of his tennis ability. But he was also lightning fast, which is why part of the reason he got to number one in the world in tennis. So we played a multitude of sports. The reason we ended up more in tennis was twofold. We, we love the individual nature of tennis, even though we were always been, I'm wearing the Labor Cup for the team event that we're both part of. We love the team events. We love Davis Cup over the years. And the other part of it, which is also goes back to the previous question, we happen to be a lot better at tennis, okay? <laughs> so we won a lot more in tennis. So we enjoyed winning a little bit more. Um, you know, I was a nice soccer player, but I just, you know, was another player on the high school team. I loved it but I was much better at tennis. And so again, that's part of, I think just trajectory of being a parent, which is expose your children to a lot of different th things, 
see what they like, see what they excel at. I happen to have a skill set athletically that was more suited to tennis. I had great coordination with my hands. I had good hand-eye coordination. I wasn't lightning fast, uh, which is why I only got to 28 in the world and not to number one like my brother did because he was amazing hand-eye coordination and amazing foot speed and skill um, with, with his movement. So I think that um, I would in, we encourage all of our kids to play multiple sports. Unfortunately, the reality is, is that it's not happening in all sports, including tennis. I call it the over-professionalization of youth sports, which we could spend another hour on that topic in our sleep, couldn't we, David? We can, and we'll have you back to spend those hours together because there's no one that I enjoy spending more time with. And you also, off the court, not only hold court on your podcast, but off the court are incredible uh, broadcaster, analyst, and communicator. Uh, and what I love most as well is you can tell the authenticity is for the empowerment of others, not for some selfish regions, for their foundation. It's for all those kids. He's sincere when the kids are walking by and he gives a little bit of extra because some dad's listening and he thinks to himself, if I can just change the perspective of this one parent, who knows, there may be one more happy child instead of someone feeling trapped by something that should be enjoyable. Patrick McEnroe, it's always a privilege. Thank you for being such a great guest and even more importantly, such a great leader and friend to me personally. I can't wait to see you in person someday. But until then, thanks for joining me. This is Dave Meltzer with Office Hours. Thank you, Patrick.